Live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel, it's Inside the Jets. Brought to you by EY, building a better working world. And by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. Now, here's Eric Allen and Eric Coleman. Welcome to Inside the Jets. We're broadcasting live from Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here. As always, we're going to be taking your calls on ESPN Radio, 1-800-919-3776. Later, we'll also be joined by Jets hybrider Terrell Basham. But, E, the Jets are facing adversity in a big way out of the gate, dropping their first two games at home to start the 2019 season. And on Sunday in New England against the Patriots, they will start their third different quarterback in three games. Not a, not a way that you want to start the season, obviously. You know, having uh, Darnold go out with the illness, uh, you lose your, your second-string quarterback. It feels a lot like in 2007, uh, was it 2005, yep. when, I was, when I was playing for the Jets and we lost Chad Pennington, and then we lose Jay Fiedler, and Brooks Bollinger's playing quarterback, and we bring Vinny Testaverde off his couch uh, to play. So uh, it, it can, it's tough on your team when you lose your leader. And it's tough on the confidence, the morale of the team. And you could see it yesterday in the game. Uh, you know, the, the team wasn't playing up to their, their normal standards, uh, the, the way that they've been preparing in the season. And it was a disappointing outing. All right. So I would encourage everybody to uh, take a listen to Sam Darnold's interview on the Michael K show on ESPN radio that preceded us tonight. Sam Darnold would like to get back in the lineup in week five against the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, the Jets are going to check him out fully, make sure he is clear because you don't take any chances with your franchise quarterback. But uh, Darnold was back in the facility today looking at film. He's chomping at the bit. Said he only lost a couple of pounds. So uh, the Jets are going to take care of this guy until he's ready to return to the Oh, game. man, it must be killing him. <laughs> it must have killed him to, watch, to have to watch the game, you know, sitting at home, not being able to, to participate, watching your, your teammates go out there and, and go to battle uh, without you, without their leader. You know, that, I, I feel for Sam. I, you know, I hope that he recovers soon and gets back to being the leader of the team. Yeah, you know what? It, the Jets are in a unique predicament right now because – if you take any team in the NFL and say they're going to be down to their third-string quarterback, where would they be? They'd be in a similar situation. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely tough, you know, to be down to your third quarterback. Uh, you know, there's a – I heard it the other day. There's a reason why Sam Darnold was the number three pick overall. He's a special player, you know, and he's a great leader on this team. Uh, the team has counted on him to be that quarterback. They've, uh, you know, he's the leader of the team. And, and to not have him in the game, uh, you know, Trevor Simeon was a, is a very capable backup. He's accomplished. He, he's won games. But to lose him now, I mean, what, where are you at? You know, you have Luke Falk, my fellow Washington State Yeah, we're, we're going to get the scouting report <laughs> on another Wazoo Yeah, but, but still, with that being said, it, it is tough on the team, you know, to have a third string, you know, any player. Uh, going out there starting and leading the way. But we got to take everything into account here. And the Jets are not going to make excuses for where they are right now. But you do have to say, starting quarterbacks out, backup quarterbacks out, your starting tight end, Chris Herndon, is in the middle of a four-game suspension. 
Defensively, you played without your signal caller on that unit, and C.J. Mosley had two takeaways in the season opener. And that guy's a four-time Pro Bowl player. You're without Avery Williamson, who obviously tore the ACL. We knew he was going to be out for the year. Um, you're without... Your the, top draft pick. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Quentin Williams, the number three overall selection in the 2019 draft. Um, the list goes on and on. Yesterday, Jordan Jenkins, Monday Night Football. He goes out with a calf injury. And fortunately, I thought the Jets stepped up on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to talk to Darrell, uh, Terrell Basham here momentarily. He had a sack, and he helped out on another pressure that ultimately resulted in a sack for Neville Hewitt. But my point here is... The Jets' depth is being tested in an enormous way. No team in the NFL has faced what they have so far early in the season. They haven't. You know, and it's that adversity that builds the character of your team. Um, you know, I thought the defense played well yesterday. Yeah. They, they had a very impressive outing, you know, up until the 89-yard uh, catch and touchdown by Odell Beckham. Uh, I thought the defense really played their butts off. Uh, they, were, they were nasty against the run. I thought they limited big plays and really kept the team in the game because as, as bad as it was, the Jets were still in striking distance, you know, when you get into that third quarter, and they still had opportunities to tie the game or get close. I know a lot of people were surprised when you're looking at the defensive starting lineup against the Browns because on the outside, Daryl Roberts, we know he's going to be there. We know Brian Poole is going to be your nickel corner, but opposite Nate Harrison started, and Tremaine Johnson was on the bench. What was your take? I, I was I was very surprised. Yeah, okay, um, you know I, I didn't understand why. You know I I wasn't on the inside, so I didn't know. So so I'm a. The the great thing about this team is, is the depth and the leadership. You know I know guys like Jamal Adams, Leonard Williams are not going to let guys, no matter if they're a backup or if they're a starter. They're going to expect a certain level of play. And you got that level of play to, to a certain extent on defense. I thought they, they all communicated well. You know, there, was, there weren't many free runners. You know, yes, uh, there was a big play, like I mentioned, yeah. the Odell Beckham play. But I thought the communication was great and, and a, a loud atmosphere. I thought the holding, I thought played uh, well. the holding penalty on Harrison, questionable? Yeah, it was very questionable. You know, and, and that's the tough thing about playing defensive back in, that's in this a day. Four, that's a fourth down play where – if the holding's not called, mm -hmm. you're, off the, you're off the field. Next play, Nick Chubb gets a good blocking up front, and then he's in for a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, and that's the way it goes. You know what I mean? It's and it's sad that that it's a that that one play can make that difference. You know what I mean? They always say there's three or four plays in every game that determine the outcome, and, and that was one of those plays. You know, you you have a holding call on a fourth down where you would have been off the field. Your defense comes back out, give up a touchdown and just changes the whole swing of the game. So moving forward now, Luke Falk is the Jets' starting quarterback until Sam Darnold returns. Darnold wants to come back against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know Luke Falk better than most people. He's a draft pick of the Tennessee Titans. Then he spent time with Adam Gase's Miami Dolphins last year. He was ultimately waived. The Jets picked him up. He was in a race to be the number three quarterback. The Jets decided to keep two quarterbacks on the active roster, but Falk was their practice squad guy. 
all of a sudden Darnold goes out with Mono. He's promoted from the practice squad. He's the backup quarterback. And now here we are. He's starting against the New England Patriots Sunday. No big deal. No big deal. I mean, listen, he came, came out of Washington State, my college, and, and did a great job, you know, running the air raid offense. So he's used to throwing the football. He's used to throwing the ball into tight spaces. And I, and I was proud of the way he played. You know, yes, he was under duress quite a bit, and he could have made some throws. Uh, he could have made some better throws on a couple of plays. But, you know, for, for a guy who was on practice squad, to come off practice squad and be thrown into Monday night football against a defense that was playing lights out yesterday, I thought Luke Falk did a good job, and, and, and I think he'll continue to grow. You know, you give him a whole week to game plan. You know, granted, he is playing against the Patriots, who are playing some very good football right now. Uh, it's going to be a tough challenge, but I think that the team is confident in what he can do out there. Uh, we're going to break down this matchup uh, later on here on Inside the Jets, but the Patriots' defense might be ahead of their offense at this point, and, and that is scary. Speaking of Falk, 20 and 25. 198 yards, um, no interceptions. Again, playing under the bright lights, not having those practice reps with the first team. I thought he acquitted himself just fine. Yeah, I thought he did a good job of filling in. He did, you know, the, the best that he could. You know, unfortunately, uh, you, you know, the team wasn't able to make enough plays. It comes down to who can make the most plays, who can make the least amount of mistakes. You know, I thought the Jets hurt themselves. Penalty-wise, they hurt themselves and giving up those big plays. But you got to give credit to the Browns. You know, they did an excellent job of performing. They made big plays. They had a good game plan. You know, Baker Mayfield and company did a good job yesterday, and sometimes the other team is just better. I actually thought it was a winnable game. I looked across the way, and I see a Cleveland team that is immensely talented but they're still trying to find themselves um, I thought the Jets got after Baker Mayfield at times good pressure on the quarterback they were better in the run game this week than they were the preceding week in the fourth quarter when they lost C.J. Mosley they held the Browns to just 3.3 yards of carry they were getting off the field on third down and I know it goes in the box score that the Jets lost by 20 points by 23 to 3 score. But I'll go back to the third quarter and say the Jets were right in this ballgame at 16 to 3. Um, and you have a third down. Falk throws in the end zone to Robbie Anderson just out of his reach. Then a fourth and two play. I thought it was the right decision there by Adam Gase going for it, fourth and two. It's a two-possession game. Kick the field goal, yeah, maybe it gives you some momentum, but it's still a two-possession game. And that, at that time, I thought you had to go for the touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I thought they should go for it as well. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Luke Falk dumped it off to Le'Veon. Yeah, that's right. And, and he wasn't able to get across he the He got way. one yard instead of two. Yeah, yeah. he got one yard, yeah. um, you know, and wasn't able to convert it. But that was a big swing in the game. And if the Jets were to, to get a touchdown in that situation, then it changes the whole dynamic that of the game. That place was ready to erupt, E. Oh, yeah. They were ready the whole, the whole game. They were just waiting, waiting, patiently waiting to erupt. Because that and, makes it a 16 game right And that, unfortunately, that time never came. Yeah. You know, and, and, that's, and that's tough on, on the team. You know, especially everyone was fired up for the Monday night football game. And I know everyone was disappointed with the outcome of the game, the way uh, that, that, that the team played. But I think if you look back at it, there were some opportunities, you yeah. know, to be in this game. And it could have been a different game. And, and to go down to be 0-2 after two home games is very disappointing. But there's some positives that came out of it. It is a marathon of a season, 16 games. And I know the Patriots are on deck. 
Um, and then you follow that up with a trip to Philadelphia, and then you host Dallas. But uh, you, you got to keep on doing the do right now. And for Adam Gase, that means coming up with a game, game plan tailored to Luke Falk for this Patriots defense. It is going to be a monstrous challenge. There's no doubt about that. We are underway here at Vanderbilt's Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. We're going to come right back with Terrell Basham. And also, we're taking your calls, 800-919-3776. We'll be right back. Welcome back to, welcome back to Inside the Jets. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. Jets Rewards members, don't forget to enter the code KICKOFF in your Jets Rewards portal during the show to earn 100 points. Our player guest segment is presented by M&T Bank, the official community bank of your New York Jets. I had to have a laugh there. Uh, Sam Ficken drilling it from 46 yards out. Great call from the voice of the Jets, Bob Wischusen. But now we are joined by Jets hybrid defender, Terrell Basham. I'm calling you a hybrid. Is that okay? Because Athlete. So, so, sometimes you're standing up, sometimes you got your hand in the dirt. Yeah, you know, got to uh, switch it up sometimes. Keep them guessing. It, it's the, the more you can do, <laughs> create some value for yourself. Yeah. That's right. Uh, speaking of switching it up sometimes, 14 reps for you in week one. You played 52 snaps in week two against the Cleveland Browns. So big time difference mm -hmm. in play time. You responded. I believe you had five tackles. You also had a sack. You helped out on a sack where you almost got it yourself. Yeah. Neville Hewitt cleaned up. Yeah. Did you think you should have got a half of one there? <laughs> I, I definitely should have just made the sack myself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Neville was definitely there to clean it up. Uh, oh, take us through your first sack. Uh, first sack, um, got Greg, uh, their left tackle. He was – he was leaving some room on the edge for me to get around. So I knew that that's what I needed to attack. We had pressure coming up the middle. And uh, I just got off the ball, made a good move on the edge, bent, and uh, tried to get the ball out. All speed? All, mainly speed. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I was surprised, actually, Baker Mayfield was able to hold onto the ball. What is your thought process? And, E, e you can touch upon this as well. As far as when you see a fellow teammate go down, who plays your position as well, like Jordan Jenkins, who's such an instrumental part of this defense, but you know you got to step up as well. Yeah, you know, uh, one thing that our coaches preach to us all the time, especially with all the injuries that we've had uh, come up this season, is next man up mentality. You know, you got to practice as a starter. You got to prepare as a starter because you never know when they're going to call your number to go up and take care of business. You know, I really hate to see Jordan go down. He's one of my really good friends on the team. And uh, we got to get him back soon. So I had to step up and get those snaps last night. Yeah. So after the game, you know, they always say you're not as good as they say you are and you're not as bad as they say you are. Watching the film, how bad was it or how good was it? What, did, what was the takeaway for the defensive play? We, got, uh, we made a lot of good plays on defense. And, you know, we got a lot of talent in that room. And a lot of guys who can really play. And, you know, we're going to take the things that we can build off of and build off of them. And the things that we can't, you know, we're just going to flush them and move on to the next week. Uh, luckily, like I said, Monday, 
night game, if short week, it's a chance to move on quickly, you know, to the next opponent. We're already on to New England. How have you changed as a player since being selected in the third round of the draft out of Ohio by the Indianapolis Colts in 2017? Uh, just becoming more of a pro, you know. Uh, when I was first drafted, um, I don't think that maybe, – maybe I don't think I took everything as serious and maybe it didn't hit me as much, you know, how real everything was and how being a pro means a lot to this league and to your body and – and, and into your career, into longevity. And that's definitely something I've, uh, that's changed about me. Yeah. Well, well, trust me, uh, you're still young in your career, <laughs> and some guys don't realize it until they're done. Yeah. That, you know, that th what they need to do, what the value of it is in the position that they get put in. Uh, can I ask you, you know, going into this game, Luke Falk is going to be the quarterback. Uh, is there added pressure on the defensive side of things? Do you feel like you need to do more because of, um, you know, having Luke Falk there, not having Sam Darnold or Trevor Simeon in that quarterback. Do you feel like defensively you need to do more? Defensively, we, defensively we just need to show up and do and play how we've played uh, a lot of the times. You know, last game, like we played pretty well last game with mm -hmm. the exceptions of a few plays, you know. Yep. And coach tells us all the time, like, it's going to be a few plays that determine. It's going to be like four or five plays that's going to determine the outcome of the football game. And before the game, you can't. You say, don't know which ones know, they you can't are. Say which play it is, so you got to yep. play each one to the best of your ability. You know, so with defensive standpoint, we're gonna come out there and we're gonna try to make some plays, get some turnovers, and uh, more turnovers this week than we did last week. You know, we only got one this week. We got five the first week. Uh, we definitely are capable of coming out there and turning the ball over and, and getting some turnovers on the defensive side, and even scoring points on the defensive side. So, you know, the pressure's always on us. And uh, Falk, he's, uh, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a good guy. You know, he, he, he came in um, unexpectedly. Uh, he made some good plays, you know, and, and, and we're going to put our faith in him, you know. Do you like the way the guys have responded to a number of injuries and suspensions? I shouldn't say a number of suspensions. You've had a pair of them. But on the, on the defensive side of the ball, Brandon Copeland, out for four games. Mm -hmm. C.J. Mosley, he's the heart of your defense. Obviously, he missed the Browns game with the groin injury. Avery Williamson, ACL tear. Now you're seeing all sorts of contributors step up. I thought Blake Cashman, the rookie out of Minnesota, really took a step forward on the inside there. You're playing defensive line and also outside linebacker. And across from you, uh, you know, you're getting good contributions from Frankie Louvu and also Harvey Lange. Uh Yeah, I mean, when adversity hits, it hits hard, yeah. you know. So, um, well, like I said, our coaches, you know, they preach the next man up mentality. We all practice like we're starters. And, you know, when, when guys go down, it, other guys have to step up. You know, you, you, you can't dwell on... Well, it would have been different if this guy was in. It would have been different if that guy was in. At the end of the day, you got the guys that you got when you step on the field, you know, and you're forced to make plays. And, and let me go back on the interview to your sack because I, I feel like we, we kind of grazed over that. How good did it feel to get a sack? No matter what the situation was, you're playing Monday night football, you know, in the NFL, all the work that you put in in the offseason to improve as a player, to see it pay off and to get a sack, how good did that feel? I mean, it feels great, you know. It, it always feels good to take down a quarterback. I can't lie to you. So, uh, 
regardless of the aspect, you, know, you, you always want to hit home. Still kind of feeling some type of way about missing that other one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Terrell, speaking of hitting home, you grew up in Virginia. Is it true that you wrote a letter to your mother at age eight telling her your dreams and aspirations? And uh, can you share that with us? Yeah, when I was eight years old, first year playing football, uh, I mean, I loved it. Um, right off the bat, fell in love with the game. So I, I did, I, I wrote a letter to my mom telling her that I was going to go to the NFL one day and she wasn't going to have to work anymore and I was going to take care of her. And she held me to that for a while. Uh, oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. So now that you're in the NFL, how are you helping her out? Oh, yeah, I definitely take care of my mom a lot. Um, she's still working because she wants to, but uh, I definitely take care of her. <laughs> and, and, and you were raised amongst uh, women in your family because you were the only boy, right? You had three sisters? No, I had, I had two sisters and I got an older brother. Oh, okay, you got an older, have, older, brother. older brother. Okay, yep, yep, yep. So, but you went to Hargrave Military Academy, right? Yep. So what took you there? Because uh, as far as some people finish high school, they go right to the college mm -hmm. route. You went yeah. to Hargrave. Yeah, uh, didn't qualify right out the back for the NCAA clearinghouse. You know, was a little bit of a knucklehead in high school. And uh, so I had to take the prep school route, which was honestly like one of the hardest, but one of the best experiences I ever had in my life. Was able to meet a lot of good guys who actually play in the league today. Some okay. guys who I play against twice a year now, um, being like uh, D. Dawkins, from the left tackle from the Bills. Deion Dawkins, right? Yep. Yeah, uh, Shaq Lawson. Uh, another Bill. <laughs> yeah, another Bill was there with him. Leonard Floyd. I was there with a, uh, a lot of Cordreas Tankersley for the Dolphins. You had a squad over there. Yeah, huh? no, we had a squad over there. Yeah, it was, it was hard to beat us now. <laughs> <laughs> but with all that being said, you went and played uh, college ball in the MAC. Yeah. So uh, does a guy who excelled in the MAC kind of have a chip on his shoulder and also have a lot of love for – players that come out of small schools uh, yeah I love uh, I love the uh, the underdog mentality you know the fact that people will try to look over you but you don't let them and um, you know I had I had bigger offers I had an SEC offer okay but I I chose to go to Ohio because it was the only school it was the closest school to home it was only four hours from Virginia where okay. I was from you know Athens Ohio is at the bottom of Ohio and only thing in between them is just a little strip of West Virginia so um, it was the closest school to home, and I wanted my mom to be able to come see me play games and stuff while I was in college. And, you know, going 14, 15 hours away to, like, Mississippi State wasn't going to make it. So, you know, I, I made a conscious decision to uh, take my talents to the mat. What do you think now? I think you're just starting to come in your own in the NFL. Uh, you've been in the league a couple years. We talked about that. Um, but you're a different player than you were in Indianapolis. Do you, do you feel like it's starting to slow down for you? Oh, yeah, the game's definitely starting to slow down for me. You know, uh, with playing anything, playing any game long enough, you know, when I first got to college, it, it seemed kind of fast. Then it slowed down for me. Um, but NFL is a whole different breed itself, you know. Everybody's good. Everybody was the superstar at their college. Yeah. Everybody can play. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it may have took a minute for it to slow down for me, but it all came with repetition. 
So you said that earlier that you got in some, some New England film. Yes. What are some of the challenges that, that from watching the, them play, obviously they've been playing lights out, but what are some of the challenges that you may have going against the, the Patriots? Um, Agent 12 is a challenge himself, you know. <laughs> Anytime you're going up against Tom Brady, you know, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna operate at a completely different level than most quarterbacks in the league. And, um, you know, they're having – I don't really see – I don't really see many, like, challenges – that are, like, going to get in the way, you know, more opportunities mm -hmm. than well, anything. Well, uh, you probably didn't get too much sleep last night, but uh, Terrell, we thank you so much for joining us here on Inside the Jets. We're going to come right back with your calls, 800-919-3776. Remember, Jets fans, you can stream Inside the Jets live through the Jets app presented by M&T Bank. Go to the App Store or Google Play Now and search official New York Jets. Inside the Jets is supported by M&T Bank, the official community, community bank of your New York Jets. Eric Allen alongside Eric Coleman. We are at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. We're going to go to your calls in just a moment. 800-919-3776. Eric, let's talk about the Jets star safety, Jamal Adams. He's all over the place. He... This game means so much to him. He wants to win so bad. Um, the Jets pulled him out of the game last night after he had back-to-back -back penalties, uh, encroachment and an offsides penalty, and they thought emotions had just got to the best of him. So they said, let's just pull him out at that time. Your thought when you're watching the game and you see him exit? I Well, first of all, I'm not happy that he got the penalties, yeah. but I love to see his passion for the game. He hates losing, you know, and, and he lays everything out there on the line. And when things don't go his way, he, he's frustrated. You know what I mean? So I understand why the team pulled him. And that was probably the smartest thing the coaches could do because it, when, when you get a guy who's not used to losing, he doesn't accept losing, you know, some things may happen. And, and I love that fire, that passion that he has for the game. I think it's infectious. And I think that the other players kind of saw that and understood, like, this means a lot to him. You know what I mean? We're, we're out here getting our butt kicked right now. We're not, the game isn't going how we want it to go, and he's still out here going 100%, leaving everything out there on the line. I, I really respect him for that. So how do you kind of walk the tightrope? Because you want to blow everybody up. Yeah. You want to be the difference maker, but you don't want to hurt your team in the process. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a, a thin line. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you have to play on that line if you want to be a good player. Uh, you, you have to rock, walk right along it. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you're going to get penalized for it. Sometimes uh, you're you're going to lose. But he's trying to make a play. You know, trying to force fumbles, trying to do something to get a spark for his team because he realizes that. Things aren't going the way we want. We have our third quarterback in the game. Uh, offensively, we haven't been doing anything well. Um, we gave up some big plays on defense. Let's, make, let's do something to make a big play. And, uh, and his emotions did get the best of him, and I'm sure that you know, he'll check himself and, and, and continue to get better. It was, a, it was a teaching moment for the coaches. All right, let's go to the calls, 800-919-3776. And we're going to start with Ira. Yay, Eric, what's happening, guys? What's up, Ira? What's up, buddy? And nothing, nothing much. You touch, a couple of things I want to touch on. You just mentioned Adam, and you know what? I'm 100% behind the coaches. 
I love Adams. I love his emotions. I get everything. He got frustrated. But I play ball. Eric, you play ball. I understand it. Sometimes the emotions get the better of you. And before you either hurt yourself or you hurt somebody else or make a really bad mistake, you got to get set down and spoken to. And I think they made the right decision. Um, you know what this year is starting to rem- uh, remind me of? And Eric, you, you'll uh, relate to this. 2005, because yeah. you were part of the Jets in 2005, going down to Baltimore, okay, and Pennington already got hurt. Fiedler got hurt a couple of plays later. We ended up having to go with Vinny off the couch and then going to Brooks Bollinger. You know, so, you know, it, it just seems like it's one of those years, but good news today, it seems like Sam's on the mend. And I, I look at it last night, you know what? I think Luke did a really nice job under the circumstances, and He's got an opportunity now in the next couple of games um, to show the coaches, you know, maybe uh, he could win a backup job for next year. So I think, he, you know, let's see what he could do. And defensively last night, I know, you know, they let Beckham score in that big play. But the bottom line, EA, you touched on it. This, this was a close game until that third and two. Unfortunately, they didn't convert. Um, yeah, you could you want to point to the offense line and everything else. Gase is taking a lot of heat today from the fans and the media. But you know what? He knows what he was dealing with. You got a third-string quarterback that's never played in a live NFL game, and you got an offensive line that's struggling. So I, I cannot get on case for his play calling, and I think he's got a pretty good grip. Let's see what happens down the road here. Thanks for the call, Ira. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, the Jets' line play's got to get better, but Adam Gase was not pointing fingers today. In fact, if he's pointing a finger at anybody, he's pointing at himself. He said, I got to put my players in better positions in terms of my play calls at times. Mm-hmm. At times we saw guys beat, get beat one-on-one. That's a physical thing. And then other times we saw guys probably have some MEs, mental errors, because there were a few plays where we saw guys run free. Yeah, I mean, there were, there were a few times where Trevor Simeon would drop back and plant his last foot you know, on a five-step drop and have to duck. You know, because there were some mental mistakes. And, you know, you can't blame that on the coach. But it, it is his responsibility to put the team in the best situation to win. Um, and the guys fell short yesterday. You know, it's a disappointing loss. I understand everyone's frustration. Listen, we had high hopes, you know, for these first two games. You know, you start off 2-0, uh, going to New England, going, and then have a bye. You know, that was kind of the, the, the hope going into this season and unfortunately things haven't turned out that way you lose your quarterback thankfully for the Jets organization he's coming back you know it's not like uh you know in 2005 when we lost Chad Pennington and he was done at least you're getting your quarterback back and you're you you can get back to square one well that's the thing this is uh, I keep on saying it. it is a long season yes the schedule does look daunting on paper but you gotta play the game you still gotta play them in between those white lines you're going to New England this week. Then you get a bye. I always look at the schedule and say, I want to buy late. But for the 2019 New York Jets, the bye can't come quickly enough. Yeah. So they get that bye in week four. Then a game against the Eagles, one of the NFC's powerhouses. Then you host the Dallas Cowboys. Who are, uh, they playing look like good they're, ball. Yeah, they're playing some very good ball right now. Dak Prescott has stepped up his game to another level. And then you come back Monday night against the New England Patriots at MetLife Stadium. So, listen, that schedule doesn't give you any breaks. No, it doesn't. And that's the NFL for you. You know, there's not 
any Sundays off. You know, every time you go out there and play, there's a fine line between the good teams and the bad teams. And that's why the Jets have to keep their heads in this. Yeah. You know, there's no reason the Jets can't go to New England and win. You know, you never know what could happen if you go, when you go out there and, and start playing the game. So um, keep, they just have to keep their, their heads right, you know, stay positive, learn from their mistakes, and, and keep it pushing. Yeah, Ira brought up a good point. I do think this is an opportunity for Luke Falk. Mm-hmm. Uh, bottom line, he's trying to make his way in the National Football League. He started the year out on the practice squad. He was waived a couple times. Now he has a chance to show the Jets and other teams, frankly, in the National Football League what he's made of. All right, let's go to Jose on line two. Hey, what's going on, fellas? What's up, Jose? Good. Um, just a couple things. I know that we're hurt on both sides of the ball pretty badly, especially at the leader positions between the quarterback and then Mosley going down. But I thought the defense played good the first couple quarters of yesterday's game. I thought they played great in uh, the first week against Buffalo. I don't see the defense as a problem at all. Now, the offensive play calling, week one, I hated it. And this week, I know Simeon's in there. But this guy, Gase, is the offensive guru, supposedly. He can handle these things, supposedly. Like he says, I handled this in Miami. I don't see no handling of anything. I think the offense stinks. I know the line is bad, but the play calling. These guys ran Wildcat yesterday, twice. I mean, EC, you tell me. Am I wrong? Thanks for the call, Jose. Yeah, thanks, Jose. And listen, I mean, there were a couple of strikes. I mean, Trevor Simeon missed Demarius Thomas a couple of times where, where, you know, you have a couple of plays here and there and things kind of turn around. Uh, the Wildcat was, was crazy. You know what I mean? You have Ty Montgomery, Le'Veon Bell. But I think it's important to put that stuff on tape, you know, to mix things up. Um, no, it wasn't a successful play. But the reason it wasn't successful is because the pass game wasn't successful. The things that set that up weren't successful. And, and it Listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that it was uh, it, it, everything was great because it was it was a bad showing by everyone, not just Coach Gase. Uh, you know, every not the offensive line didn't play well. Uh, you know, guys didn't step up and make plays when they needed to. There are some things to look forward to, so be positive about. But listen, the Jets left some team some plays out there. All right, we're going to get into this more after the break in our final segment. We're still going to be taking your calls 800-919-3776. but. I think it's imperative that the Jets on Sunday establish some kind of early rhythm. We go back to week one against the Bills when they go three and out and the Bills hold the ball for a couple drives. Last night, again, against the Browns, three and out. Cleveland holds the ball on a couple drives. The Jets got to find something to hang their hat on early. And it all starts up front with the offensive line, the bottom line. Um, we're going to come right back here on Inside the Jets. Inside the Jets is presented by EY, Building a Better Working World. Eric Allen and Eric Coleman here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits inside the Wyndham Hamilton Park Hotel. It's already our final segment of the night, unfortunately, 800-919-3776. I'm going to get to a couple calls. Joe's on the line. Artie's on the line. But uh, first, a uh, quick little snapshot of what awaits the Jets. I heard today that a couple sports books have the green and white as a 22 and a half point underdog this Ooh, weekend. That's tough. That's tough. I mean, but listen, 
The way New England's been scoring offensively, their defense has been playing lights out. Uh, I mean, that's disrespectful to the Jets, that, that line. And I don't think it'll last. But I, for a line maker, you, you have to look at it like you, you have Luke Falk in that quarterback yeah. Tom, going against Tom Brady, the, the greatest of all time. And, um, and the Patriots rarely lose at home. They rarely lose at home. And Antonio Brown is in the mix now. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a tough, tough game for the Jets. You know, they're going to have to do everything right. To, to have a chance to win this game. But this Patriots defense is loaded. Yeah. I, I, I know over the past two decades we've seen good Patriots defenses. This one could rival with any of them. And I look at the secondary. I, Jamie Collins is playing linebacker. He's got a pair of interceptions. McCourty's already got a pick. A lot of people will make the argument that Stephon Gilmore is the best corner in football. Yeah, he's playing good. Yeah. He's playing good ball. He, he's locking receivers down. Um, you know, they're, they're communicating. You know they're going to be great at disguising coverages, and I expect them to mix some looks up, you know, show blitz back in the zone uh, to, to try to confuse Luke Falk. They know he doesn't have much experience at all, so they're, they're going to make Luke Falk beat the Patriots uh, on Sunday. How do you give yourself a chance in the second half? How, how do you, if you're Adam Gase and that coaching staff, how do you go about creating a plan this week where third quarter, midway through, you're in a one-possession game. Well, listen, I, I, the, the big-time players on the team are going to have to step up. You know, they need you know, a lot more production from Robbie Anderson. They, they're going to need uh, – well, obviously, Le'Veon's been playing lights out. Uh, but they're going to need some other players besides Le'Veon Bell to step up and make some plays. Uh, have some sustained drives. Give yeah. the defense a break. You know, I, I think that the defense the last two games – has played lights out in the first half, and then you see them kind of wearing down because they've been on the field for so long. You know, you can only play at a high level for only for oh so long. You know, you need that offense to get some drives going, take some time off the clock, keep the ball out of Tom Brady's hands as much as you can. I, I think it's going to be, have to be a group effort. Uh, real quickly, I wanted to ask you about the coverage on the 89-yard backbreaker mm -hmm. from Baker Mayfield to... Odell Beckham. Uh, he split uh, Brian Poole and linebacker Neville Hewitt. From your perspective, a guy who's been out there, why don't you explain what happened coverage-wise? Uh, you know what? I, from, I, I have to go back and look at yeah. it, but it looked like they were playing probably a three-deep fire zone because okay. you know, Marcus May was in the middle of the field, and it's tough. You know, they were in the three-by-one. Uh, Odell Beckham ran like a kind of a slant, a vertical. He was at the number three position, and he just hit him on the hot route and caught him in stride. And that's, it, that's a tough tackle to make if you're a free safety. With the receiver catching the ball, no obstructions, running full speed. You know, you saw Marcus May start to turn to run one way, and then Odell just went to his butt. And there's nothing he could do about it uh, because he just ran away, and there's nothing but field. There's nothing but green. And so if the underneath coverage needs to be tighter, you know, uh, maybe Neville could have leaned towards the three-man uh, three side okay. more because he probably had the three-receiver hook, had to get underneath that number three receiver to make it more of a difficult throw, to make the quarterback put some air under it, to give Marcus May an opportunity to break on it and then make the tackle once Odell Beckham catches the ball. But, but, but before we get to the call, yeah. congratulations. Oh, thank I got to give you a congratulations. <laughs> you had your baby girl this week, and God bless you and your family. Thank you, sir. Uh, we are very happy. Uh, let's move on here and go to Kyle in the Bronx. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I wanted to first off start by saying that I was not a big fan of the Gates move to begin with. I wasn't impressed week one. Week two, seeing the production he got out of Falk late in that game, really changed my mind. 
Uh, now we're really going to have to see how much of a guru he is. He needs to get really creative this week uh, and utilize Falk's uh, match potential, obviously, because I don't want to see Webby on Falk getting hurt. I'm really uh, skeptical on how many times we can give him the ball here and him be healthy for when Darnold gets back when we really didn't need him. Uh, I think these early games, we should really limit him a little bit. The only way we can do that is to get more production out of Falk. Kyle, thanks for the call. Here, here's the problem with that, and I understand. We were actually talking about that during the break, is that Le'Veon Bell is so good is he creates yards after contact consistently. This is a big back, an explosive player who doesn't need much room. I think what he had 31 touches against the Cleveland Browns. He had 23 touches against the Buffalo Bills. I don't think it's the number of touches so much as to what's happening on those touches. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, I mean, every carry, every time he gets the ball, it seems like he's creating that extra yard yeah. after contact. You know, he's breaking the tackle here. He's spinning off one, taking a couple more shots. And that's happening often right around the line of scrimmage. It seems like every play. Yeah. You know, he, he's dealing with three or four defenders at least. And, and that does wear on you. It wears on your body. They're going to need another player to step up, you know, to, to run the ball a little bit, to make some plays on the perimeter, just so they can mix it up and don't have to lean on Le'Veon so much. And, and what I liked uh, yesterday was Luke Falk, when the Jets got the ball moving, he seemed to have a little connection developing there with Robbie Anderson, and the Jets are going to need Robbie Anderson, not, not only this week against the New England Patriots, of course, but down the line. You think about what's happening. We saw Jameson Crowder have 14 catches, 99 yards against the Buffalo Bills, but, oh, across from Robbie Anderson, you got some issues right now because Quincy Inunua is out for the year with the neck injury, and you traded for Demarius Thomas. But he's got a knee and hamstring ailment, and he's week-to-week. Week. So at this point, you're talking about Tuesday. If you're week-to-week, week, I would say it's probably unlikely he plays against the Patriots. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and Robbie Anderson, I'm sure he's frustrated, you know, not getting the touches, not getting the, uh, the opportunities, but it's, they're going to come. You know, whenever you get your opportunity, you take advantage of it, make a big play. And they're going to feed you more. He's, he has to stay positive. Absolutely. You know, he, he has to stay positive. You have to make a play when it's when your number is called, and you're going to get more action. And I think that Robbie's going to have to be a big part of the Jets' offense if they want to make some moves. They want to make, make some big plays. He's a big-time playmaker. He's done it in the past, and they're going to need him to start doing it and give him the chances. And watch out for Ty Montgomery. And remember, Chris Herndon's coming back. In that fifth game against the, uh, uh, well, it's not the Philadelphia Eagles. It's actually going to be against the Dallas Cowboys because the fourth game is against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's move on here to Joe, Staten Island. What's up, Joe? Hello. Hey, Joe. Hello. Joe, you're on. Uh, no, this isn't Joe. This is Miguel from Staten Island. Okay, Miguel, go ahead. Hi, Eric. Hey. Hi, Eric. Hi, Eric. And congratulations on the, on the birth of your baby. Uh, now, I wanted to know, now the Jets were losing at the time 16-3, to and this one they were marching down, they had it down, it was, the, it was like maybe two plays before that fourth and two, yep. that, uh, Le'Veon got stopped, they had an end zone play, that was a pass to uh, Robbie Anderson, and it looked like it could have been an interference call, 
there in the end zone. And why, why, is there any, any reason why they didn't challenge that? Because to me, it looked like it, was an, it could have been an interference call okay, if thank, they challenged it. Thanks I mean, for the call, yeah, Miguel. And, uh, and my apologies to Artie because we're not going to have a chance to get to him tonight. I would just say on that real quickly, we got about 25 seconds, E, and Alahan's going to follow us here on ESPN Radio that I think the Jets probably thought that ball was going to be deemed by the replay officials that it was not catchable. And I think that's why you don't challenge there. But that's it for us. Thanks to Terrell Basham. Thanks for everybody stopping by here at Vanderbilt Sports and Spirits. We'll be back next week. Alan Hahn is up next. <laughs>